Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we are joined by a repeat guest, Bond Halbert. And Bond and his family are legends in the direct response and marketing community. They are what the equivalent of the Gracie family is to martial arts. So if you don't know who Bond is, you definitely want to check out our past interviews. He's got a newfound uh, vigor in life and really trying to give back. The last couple of years have seen so many people's lives changed. And he was one of his family is one of the earliest pioneers online, actually, with the Gary Halbert letter. And he's got such a wealth of experience and knowledge, and he's behind the scenes on so many big campaigns and so many of the things that are working that he just really has come out and said, like, you know, I want to do more to help people. And that's part of what triggered us bringing him back on the show. So, Bon, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. How are you doing? My pleasure. I'm doing great. Uh, uh, Feeling good? Yeah, good, good, good. So we've already talked a bit before hitting record, but Bon, for the people that are joining us right now, can you talk about kind of how you've seen things online progressing over time? I mean, I think back in the day, I always explain to people that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the way I see is how marketing developed is in the earliest days, you know, unless you had like a, a grocery store or you were a blacksmith, we were all traveling salespeople and we would go town to town kind of selling our wares. And this is a pre-post office. And at some point, some guy, maybe he's got a baby on the way or he's just trying to be able to get to more people. And he's trying to figure out how do I knock on more doors in a day? And he realizes every time I go to a door, I, I give the same spiel. Maybe I could write it down and send some kids ahead of me. And then when I get there, I can just go through the doors faster. And he does this and he realizes that, uh, hey, like some of these doors, they're already ready to buy. And so now he's pulling into town. He's not even going to the doors. He's just got an order for him, having kids deliver the letters, bring the money back to him and his horse and buggy. And they're sending other thing. And now we have the post office. We're sending these letters out. And I always describe that as like the birth of marketing and that marketing is salesmanship at scale. And first off, would you agree with that? And then second, can you speak to, is that still the case now? Can you just put up a sales letter and send people to it? Or is there more dynamics to it now? Because you've not only been in this direct response industry since you were three years old, but you've also seen how online has progressed. That's a big question. Sorry, but. That's okay. I'll give you a lot of insights into it. First of all, that the guy who started writing letters, you know, I mean, I'm not, I don't think he's literally the first, but the first yeah. one is Robert Collier. Okay. Yeah. The Robert so, Collier letter book. Yeah. So the Robert Collier letter book is the one who started, you know, let me, let me do this. And my dad was a door to door salesman in right before I was born. And then he discovered the direct mail guides by Thomas Hall. And then he knew instantly this is what he wanted to do because he knew that while he was a great door-to-door salesman, there are only so many doors you can knock on in a day. And so for that, he knew that if he got a winning game, he would then be able to, you know, take in a lot more money and, you know, reinvest that money and sending out a larger amount of letters next time. And that's why direct response is such a great business builder is because you test, you find something that's working, that's profitable. You can just, you can start scaling it bigger with a surety. Whereas like if you just create an image campaign that says, you know, Daryl's awesome and you put that out everywhere right? and you don't measure the results, you don't know if the money you're spending over on Facebook versus Instagram versus TikTok versus, you know, Clubhouse or any of these other different things that all come and go. Some stay for forever, for a long time, you know, but you don't know whether or not that's going to, you know, you have no idea if that is in the end going to be a profitable thing, something to scale. Right. When you direct response, you're like, okay, I put a dollar in, I got $2 back, 50 cents went towards film, you know, towards fulfilling the product. So it's a dollar 50 I have left. Next, you throw a dollar 50 out and now you get 50% more orders and so forth. So direct response is also really big. For me and my family, we believe in direct response because it's it's what grows small businesses efficiently. But I would agree that with your assessment of how it started, and I would also say that, you know, there's been an evolution over time and there are some things that are more important than other things at different times. And then it's, and things end up circling back to the way that they were before. 
So one of the things that happens is when all of a sudden somebody comes on TV and they're the first ones with an infomercial and it's super exciting. And my dad did one of the first infomercials with Nancy Kwan. And I was actually at the, you know, where they were shooting that. I was a kid at the time. But what happened was, you know, there was then all of a sudden the late night, what happened? Okay. So the way that that originally happened is somebody was sitting there and they go, wow, you know, nobody's, you know, the TV's just going into dead space, you know, and this is way back in the day with broadcast television and so forth. And you'd be like on channel five, they started, they ended the late show and they started, they played the national anthem and then it was just snow and static until like six in the morning or five in the morning when they were going to play something else. And some guy, and I'm not exactly sure of the name. I remember hearing the story, went to the networks and said, Hey, you know, you've got this dead air space. You know, is there any chance I could buy that and broadcast it? And they said, well, uh, nobody's up at that time. And he's like, well, some people are up at that time. And so they got a deal and he started selling stuff. Okay. In the middle of the night and that turned into infomercial. So right there, you know, obviously the things to sell right there are the things that are, you know, keeping people up in the middle of the night. Right. <laughs> So he sell he starts selling stuff, and then eventually people realize, hey, there's and this was remnant video space, broadcast space. So remnant, by the way, is something you really want to know about because even in you know, so what happened with newspapers was the newspaper had so much space on the on the pages and everything, and they needed like here's an article here. And it was never always a hundred percent sure. And so the the way the newspaper was created, is one sheet actually made four pages. So there was the, the the front page, right? The inside of the of that next page, the inside of the next page, and then the back page. Right. Well, if the ads and the articles only cover three of those pages, what's left over is remnant, right? Right. So my dad knew this lady who worked for him and they came up with this genius idea. And they said, listen, they would write a letter and this is gonna be another marketing tip, by the way. They wrote a letter to these people and said, hey, listen, I know that you charge, and I'm just going to throw out numbers here. Let's say I know that you charge $5,000 per page for your spaces, for your space. When we, with your circulation, we know that that won't be profitable for us, but we have an ad that we know is profitable if we can get the ad space for $2,500. So here's a check for $2,500. Okay, <laughs> you can cash that check and run our ad. Or, you know, go ahead and rip it up and send it back or whatever you want to do with it, right? But it's, you know, it's $2,500 if you want to do it. And then what they would do is inevitably the hardest thing for people to do is to give money back, right? So for them to turn around. And so that's one of the things like when we would use grabbers, you could do a grabber. So I'll give you an example. Everybody comes home from a trip from Europe or some foreign country with foreign currency, right? And they, they just can't throw away money. Even though that's like a dollar, right? Even though that's like, you know, it's not a lot of money. Everything They just have it. They have this instinctive inability to throw away something that is actually currency that they, you know, they're like, well, I'll save it. My next trip to Europe, maybe I'll use it. It's like, really? You can spend all that time saving, you know, you know, dollar 35 in, you know, in euros or whatever the currency happens to be. So but nobody throws away, even if it's old, a foreign currency that they're very unlikely to ever use again. But anyway, so what happened was these people would turn around and say, well, let's get this in, keep that 2,500 bucks. So all of a sudden my dad, this was, somebody asked me the other day, what are big ideas in marketing? And I said, well, it's a unique hook, offer solution for your customer or, or marketing solution. This is a marketing solution, big idea, because all of a sudden my dad was getting advertising space for half of the amount of money that yep. it took to get other things. Let me translate that kind of concept and theory into today's world. You know, you send an offer to and a check, right? And you say you know, on the back is actually a binding agreement for what exactly the check is worth. And you say, hey, listen, you know, you've got this Facebook group that I love, right? And I, you know, I actually want to buy it. And I'm to prove to you I'm serious. Here's a check for $5,000 to buy your Facebook group. It's a dollar per name per person in the Facebook group, right? And there's a guy, Harlan, actually, you know, I know that went around and bought Facebook groups. Now he didn't do use that system. He, he, you know, but that system is actually a very, it's a, it's an enhancement. And you turn around and you say, wow, you know, you can buy these ready-made audiences that now I have a list and I have, I have an audience to sell to, right? There's all kinds of ways that you can apply that system of, you know, look, here's money, you know, and you can, you can give it back. Right. Or you could just yeah. do a little business with me. And if it's no sweat for them to do a little business with you, they're going to often do a little business with you. 
But anyway, so getting back to where we where we were, what happens is let's so that was they were selling remnant space. Now all of a sudden people said, hey, you know, I see what they're doing on channel two. Can I can I get your space on channel four? I want to sell this something. You know, I want to sell a different kind of insomnia solution, or I want to sell these snuggy blankets because right. I know people are sitting up curling up with a blanket, right? Or whatever it is that they know that they're that they're doing. So pretty soon there's no more remnant space. Right. Mm. So now things happen and things, things change a little bit. Now you need a stronger offer. Okay. So now we segue into something else. So, and this is something that Clayton Makepeace did, the late, great Clayton Makepeace. He called these people and he said, you know, you got a really fantastic offer and infomercial going on. And they said, what are you doing with all the names of the customers that you, you know, after they buy your product? And they said, what do you mean? What are we doing with the names? And he goes, well, what do you do with the names? You know, they're like, well, nothing. They're just, you know, they're, you know, they already bought the product. He goes, let me hop on a plane and go talk to you. Yeah. So he hops on a plane, he goes to them and he says, listen, you paid, you know, let's go back to my $1.50 thing. You paid a dollar to get a hold of each one of these contacts and their information. And you made 50 cents for each dollar that you spent. Good money. But now you don't have to pay the dollar again. You can just, you know, contact these people and send them direct mail. And the direct mail will only then at that time, like cost you like 25 cents to get to them. Right. But here's the thing that, you know, you know, that they're already interested in whatever this is. And they've put so their money with their mouth in. Yeah. Yeah. So they were buying coin collections, let's say. And then you say, you know, I'm going to sell this other coin off because, you know, it's, you know, your coin guy isn't buying, you know, coin collector isn't just buying one coin, you right. know. They're, you could get them to buying other coins and, you know, you know, a lady who's investing in stamps isn't going to buy just one set of stamps. And so you say, hey, we got this new stamp offer and it's the, you know, the European collection of stamps or whatever it is. And so that you're increasing the lifetime value of each customer. So he taught them that. Right. And then so as so that's something that ends up being more important when the when the product and the offer when the market gets competitive for that ad space okay so now the person there are so many people when you're buying stuff you know they don't they spent so much money getting you to buy this supplement that they didn't make any money off of it what they're making money off is the second and third bottle that you're buying right okay right and then it gets to the point where they know that if you're you know that if you're like me and you're you're getting garlic because you have high, you know, cholesterol, you might be getting some turmeric or you might be, or CoQ10, right? So now what's happening is you're increasing the lifetime values. This all comes back again. So when people first went online, they're just like, oh, we, we're making money and I'm going to run this ad again in these other spaces. I'm going to keep going. And then the ad space became competitive. People started bidding up and Google, when Google keywords, Google ads first started, it was a wild, wild west. Anybody could make money selling anything. Yeah. Then all of a sudden it got competitive. So yeah. then all of a sudden what happened to the winners, it was the same thing that happened in direct response. It was who had the largest lifetime value of the customer. Okay. And so I don't know if I've mentioned this before to your audience, but you know, I did a, an Excel spreadsheet one time and I showed the cost for running the ad the, you know, what, what the, how much leads, how many leads came out of the ad, you know, what the, the car, shopping cart abandonment was, you know, what the refund rate was and all of these other things. And you could sit there and you could play with every single number. You can mm-hmm. sit there and go, well, what if I got the price, the ad for half off? What if I've got doubled my conversion rate? What if I lowered my, my refund rate? The number one thing to make more money was to sell them something else. It was the easiest and, and the number yeah. one thing. And that included the cost of contacting them. And if your cost of contacting them is an email or another message in a Facebook group or something, your cost is nothing. Right. And so what ends up happening is back in the day, they used to just say that the money is in the list, right? It's in the list list of the names. Well, now it's in the audience because your audience could be on an email list. Your audience could be on a blog. Your audience could be in a YouTube channel an Instagram following, you know, TikTok is where, you know, it's like the new frontier. (laughs) TikTok is crazy right now. I I built an audience like 6,000 people in a month without... My girlfriend was just asking me to record a video on our afternoon walk every day. And I think she spent 20 bucks in ads or something like that. But you got, so, so what happens again is it comes back around. So then let's suppose you're the first person to talk about, you know, CrossFit or jujitsu or something like this on TikTok, right? Eventually what happens is there's 200 gurus of TikTok of right. that on there. Right. Now the name of the game is who's got the most trust. Right, right. Now right. it's a branding issue. 
right? So this becomes an, uh, a bigger thing. And so one of the things I'm teaching my students to do is what I'm calling, and I have a product that's coming out on this. It's called the Google sniff test, because what's mm -hmm. going to happen is, you know, if you sell something for high end, okay, and sometimes it'll happen with low end and so forth, but what happens when they Google your name? And the thing is, you'll see these copywriters are like, I'm a, I'm a copywriter. And so you Google their name and the only thing that shows up is a LinkedIn profile and maybe their Facebook page. If they're, you know, semi-serious, you might even get their website. But yep. if you go look at the Google presence of somebody like myself or some other people, you go, oh, you're just scrolling through a whole bunch of stuff that just screams yep. and says, this person knows what the hell they're talking about. Yeah. Yep. Well, you can manufacture that. Yeah. Okay. It, it's something that you can manicure. Now you can't control the whole thing, right? Because it's right. Just algorithm, but you can control that stuff. And so let's suppose now you're talking about, you're selling something high end, like a retreat, or you're selling something, you know, you know, a mastermind or, you know, that you're, you're now what happens, what happens when they Google that? And if they turn around and they say, oh, it's Googled and there's, there's YouTube videos of people on there that are talking about how great it was. And there's web pages with lots of testimonials. There's, you know, there, there is a long page of people who are saying, you know, blog posts about what I learned at this event and yep. you know, my takeaway from 2010 and all this. And then all of a sudden you're really getting them enthusiastic, exciting. You're building trust. You're building yeah. a brand. Yeah. So I think we're probably what you're saying just to kind of paraphrase is that it's not such a linear process anymore because, you know, someone's looking at a supplement in Walmart on the shelf, but they're on their phone looking at the same supplement in Amazon, reading the reviews and comparing it with other products. So you're really saying there's kind of got to be a web of content just so to speak. And I love what you said about the Google sniff test. My team and I actually just did a deep dive maybe six, eight months ago. We got a hold of some of Google's own internal training documents for the people that are training the algorithm for what's a high quality site versus a low quality site. And one of the most important factors was EAT, demonstrating expertise, authority, and trustworthiness on your site. But that was one of like page speed fits into it and all that stuff. But one of the most important factors that Google wants is that everything that they're showing to people browsing is very clearly, has very clearly has a high visibility Immediately visible demonstration of expertise, authority, and trustworthiness on that topic, whether it's and you, with, yeah, you can control that too. So yep. let me give you an example of that. So, okay, recently there was a trial with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, right? Right. Yeah. Everybody's talking about right. And so before, when you when you typed in Depp, right, what happened was you know you get the actor's bio, his IMDb, and so forth and so on. Then pretty soon. All the traffic was going towards his trial because that's right. what people really wanted to know. So what happens is, let's suppose there's a, another Daryl Urbanski out there. So what happens is you actually run ads to, to get people to search for, you know, and then you're talking about yourself and then you drive people to searching it for it. And then suppose you name something else, like, you know, the name of your brand or the name of your product. They will keep searching till they find the one that they're missing. Google's algorithm will say, this is what they're looking for when they're searching Google, you know, for Daryl Urbanski. Mm. And it figures that out because look, a flood of traffic is looking for this. And so now all of a sudden that pops up on page one. So a long time ago, I started, it was, I had an argument with my brother about building web pages. And he's like, you don't know how much is built, you know, how hard it is to build a web page and all that. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go learn how to do this. And I was like, well, I need to learn I need to build something. And so I started a site about free things to do in Los Angeles. And I, because I wanted to go around and check out free things to do, because I had an argument with another buddy. This was based on two arguments. And the other argument I had was this other guy who's like, he came back from, he was visiting in LA. I knew him. We grew up together here. And he said, well, you know, LA is just so expensive. And I said, yes, it is. But it's also, you know, got more free things to do than any place I've seen. He's like, yeah, like what? Right. <laughs> so. I took it as a challenge and that became my, you know, my theme. And all I'm doing is actually just trying to learn how to build a web page. Right. So I built a web page. I actually created all this content. It is very basic. It, the, the time loading speed is crap. The, you know, it's, it looks, somebody said it looked like geo cities, you know, like it was like <laughs> it was that, that far back. But the problem, but the thing was the content was fantastic. It was showing things that nobody, even if you grew up in Los Angeles ever knew about. Yeah. And so, but I didn't get any kind of, you know, I'm like buried on like page 10 or something in Google things. 
So what I did was I ran a Google ad. Okay. And this is where I'm talking about the moving target and going back and forth. So I look at, I, I type in my keywords, free things to do in Los Angeles, and I see what comes up. And I'm looking at all these and I'm like, how can I stand out? And this is, goes back to the very basics of walking the shoes of your clients, right? And your customers. So I'm like, these people are looking for something that's free to do. And what are they doing? And they're clicking on a few of these and they're finding out that, you know, they're recommending the same 10 damn things to do in Los Angeles. Go to the Santa Monica Pier, walk along the Hollywood Boulevard and things that locals just already know about or are bored and tired of doing. And so, you know, it's the same old thing. So I changed the thing and I, I wrote the, it was free things to do in Los Angeles because I needed the, the authority and to, you know, the, the promise. But I said thousands of different events and things like that, because on the calendars, I actually made sure there was thousands of events listed and parties and all of these other things. But down at the bottom, and so, you know, the, the website URL promised free things to do in Los Angeles. And then what I did was I added the one line that nobody else did. I said, no signups necessary. Right. Mm. I still had a sign up thing in there, but I was giving them lots of value. And then they, signed up if they wanted more. Right. Yeah. Sign up if you want to get our calendar or whatever it was. So I paid like 20, 40 bucks. And now all of a sudden the traffic is going there from the ad. And Google's saying a lot of traffic from people who are searching this are ending up at this site. Right. And they're spending more time on this site than they are the other sites. I very quickly climbed to number one. Okay. And I could turn off the ads because people were talking about it. And, but I could, I could put stickers around town. I could do whatever it was. And when people go into Google and they search for it, and they're, no, no, this is the site we're looking for. This is the logo we're looking for. Google yeah. has to serve that up as number one because yeah. they know that's what everybody's, all the traffic is driving towards. Yeah. So. You can control being number one because you're driving people from TikTok and you're driving people from Facebook and you're driving people from stickers and bus benches or whatever, you know, whatever areas of marketing there are, whatever channels you're talking about and you drive them there and the, the algorithm is going to have to recognize, look, every time people are look, doing the search, they skip over everything or they only stay on it for a hot second until they find this one site. This is yeah. the flipping site they're looking for. So with Amber Heard, Johnny Depp example is they're like everybody who's typing in Johnny Depp right now are not looking for his IMDb page. They're all looking for information on this trial, wow. right? So you start typing in Depp, you get Depp versus Amber Heard trial, right? You right. know, it's auto, that's the autofill that's coming up now because that's where all the activity is. If you control the activity, that's where you're going to end up pulling it into, into, into Google. Okay. And then you, now you're up on, now the important part is, you know, exactly is what is it your, the people who weren't, didn't see your ad are typing in to find you, you know? So if it is business masterminds or, you know, business mastermind in Los Angeles or something like that, and I'm driving everybody traffic to that. And those are the Google keywords that, that my customers are adding in Bon Halbert's business mastermind in Los Angeles. If I, I'll start ranking higher for just business mastermind in Los Angeles and I'll get people that I wasn't even driving there because I'm now on page, you know, and the, right. we all know top half of page one, everything else is junk, right? right. You know, right, <laughs> right, right. That's yeah, what it is. 80-20, the 80-20 principle. So yeah. now one of the things I want to make sure everyone understands here is that part, and you know, because you grew up in this, it's kind of second nature for you. But one of the things is that you have to have the thing that people are happy to have found. If they're kidding you, like, right? Like you, it was just such a natural thing for you to say, but I want to make sure all the listeners catch that, that if you just threw up a garbage page and drove ads, it wouldn't be where people stop. And that's the thing that yep. people need to figure out. You can't, especially in today's day and age, it has to be good. It has to be quality. It has to be great. And that's what you'd said. You put amazing value out there. You had a sign up thing, but it was also for free, which made it really risk free. And so people are like, Hey, this is a great resource for me. And it, it, it intrinsic, intrinsically was valuable. And that's the thing is you can't just throw garbage up and then advertise it because all you're going to do is get a bunch of rejection. And so that comes back to almost like we were saying, walking in your prospects shoes. Can you talk about that process a little more? Because I think that's where a lot of people get stuck. They're like, I can run Facebook ads and I can create content and I can do a podcast interview and I can write a blog. But what they're missing is that walking a mile in their client's shoes. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. Well, okay. First of all, this is where it all changes. So if you're the first one 
I'm going to give you an example of how this changes and, and what happens. Let's suppose you go in New York City and you go there and it's many years ago and you go into Times Square and you see that there's just one big poster up there. You pay attention to it, right? And then pretty right. soon everybody's got a big poster up there and they're all black and white. You pay attention to the first one that's in color. Okay. Right. Then all of a sudden they're all in color and there's one that's moving. It's animated. It's like video. Okay. So now you're paying attention to that. Now they're all animated in video, but you see one that's just black and white and stagnant. That's the one you pay attention to. Okay. That's where it circles back. Right. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, that by walking in and being honest and saying, this is what drew my attention. This is what happened. So I have a, my saying, which is I'm not arrogant. I'm just confident everybody else is as screwed up as I am. And what that means is if I'm looking at this and going, oh, this is just a bunch of clickbait nonsense, I'm not going to click on it, right? You know, right. and so your prospects are thinking the same damn thing, right? And so when your headline says, okay, that actually made me stop what I was doing and pay attention to it because of the way that it was positioned, then that's going to also work as well. And so I knew one thing that was going to happen is if this person gave me 3,000 great three things to do and imagine what they would have if they had a report of things to do for under 10 bucks, yeah. right? So now that opens up the whole world and I've got 10 bucks. You know, people aren't there absolutely dead broke and thinking they couldn't spend anything on anything. They were looking for something inexpensive. And I was like, okay, what are they looking for? Well, they're looking for date ideas. They're looking for great things to do, things that are inexpensive that will entertain their children because yeah. when you have five kids in tow, that's five times as much money to do anything. Right. So I started, you know, looking at things like this and said, you know, which is which is the ones that are going to make me, you know, get, I'm sick and tired of all of this. You know, I go I go searching for my solution. Right. And I'm running across the same people pitching the same things. And the one that stands out is going to be the one that pitches a different explanation or pitches something that is completely different in, mm. you know, from what I was thinking. And. The walking in your customer's shoes is really important, you know, so it's really simple and you'll find these solutions. I don't, I think I may have mentioned this before to you. Hold on a second. Let me shut down some of this light that's coming in my side window. Okay. So here's one of the things that happened to me that I thought was really amazing. I was going to put up a book on Amazon. So the first thing I did was I go to, I went and bought a book to know the experience of what it might, what they were looking for. Mm. So it was a book and I was going to say, what are the keywords they're typing in? What are they doing? And when I did it, I noticed that when I bought books on Amazon, you know, if you didn't have prime at the time, they would say, you know, if you spend 25 bucks, you know, you get free shipping. So I was thinking, you know, I'm 10 bucks, five bucks away from another thing. I'd rather buy another book and get free shipping. And I noticed these people at the bottom said, People who bought this book also bought that book. And I was like, I want to be in there for a bunch of great classic books. <laughs> so I did something that nobody in my industry did before that I knew of, which was I went and had, you know, we, I did a lot of the stuff that everybody else was doing. I threw a webinar for everybody who bought my book. And if they showed a receipt, they got a webinar. And that drove sales because people were like, okay, I'm going to buy the book just to get into the webinar. But the webinar gave me their email addresses and so I could mail them and stuff like that. So I told them to go buy John Carlton's book that just came out. Right. And so he, he bought, he's like, Hey, how'd you get that done? And I was like, get what done? He goes, and they sent an email to everybody who, you know, who bought my book. They sent an email pr pr pitching your book. And I go, Oh, I didn't know they did that. Right. <laughs> so if you go to my website and you sign up for it, you're one of the first emails you get is, hey, you know, here are the other books that I recommend along with my book. And so what happens is if you first bought my book, you will see that I'm tying myself now to the classic books. So when they advertise, my book comes up <laughs> when as people who bought this book also bought that book because I and, and again, what was in this case, what was Amazon actually marketing to Amazon? So yep. they want to see that, you know, the books of the customers are the same. So the same customer literally was buying these two books. So people bought this, also bought this book. I linked them together. They didn't know that I was driving the link in and everything else. And would they be upset that I did that? No, because I'm sending them more business, right? Why would they? Yeah. yeah. And so I created a win-win-win situation for everybody involved. But that would have never happened if I didn't walk in the shoes of my prospects. So if you're not the 
when I interview a lot of top copywriters and marketers now for a group that I have and the very best of the best give examples that other people, that all the other lower ranked and beginning copywriters never do. One of the things is they work the customer support lines for their clients. No, but none of the mid-level or lower level guys and ladies do that. Okay. They, you know, they're not getting the words and the, the, you know, the, the, the people who are doing that are picking up the line and they're saying, oh, well, you know, what attracted you to this product? Oh, I was having this. And they would describe their problems and the top copywriters sitting there writing down the way that they're describing their nightmare problems, right? Because they know it better than the copywriter does. And so they're, you know, and they're like, and then this was like, you know, what the, the, when they described the relief of what it was like to finally find the solution. Now that's copy for their advertising yeah. and they're getting, these people are writing the copy for the copywriter in a large, to a large degree. And so let's go back to the Times Square thing. You know, they're waiting to hear something that goes, ta-da, you know, I mean, that was a great line and they're trusting their gut. So instead of going and saying, you know, and you could do this when you're at the beginning and if at the beginning level of your marketing career, I don't want to dissuade people from using templates or anything else, but you can say, top level expert of some, you know, some description is doing blah, 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 this something newsy to provide XYZ benefit. There's your basic headline. Okay. So, you know, copywriting legend is, is explaining that, you know, the best ways to make headlines that work and, you know, that, that really grab attention. So there's expert doing something newsy and, you know, providing benefit, but it go, but when you get beyond that, when you go to, you know, these people saying these explosive things that made got a big reaction out of you or got a reaction out of other people and you turn around and you use that, then you have something that stands out and becomes a control and beats, beats all these copywriters that are using the same formulas and the same, you know, the same old tried and true stuff. And that's where you get to something that's explosive and really good, you know, but, and people, you know, and I see that in some ads and stuff like that, but they're, you know, they're so rare that that's why those copywriters are so good. So that's one thing that they do. Another one that they do is they, they don't write about their subject nearly as much as they talk about their subject. You know, so what happens is they, they talk about that subject with other people that aren't just customers, but they're explaining to their friends, you know, this is why you should do X, Y, Z. You know, this is, I'm taking this fish oil supplement because it's, you know, it's supposed to be really good for my heart. And I've noticed my tests have dropped and all of these other things and they pay attention to what the other person responds and what, and they change their pitch a little bit and they find out what actually got their, they pay attention to that made their eyes widen. You know, that blew their mind. That made them, you know, furl their brow and want to know more information or that got them to ask about more or that got them to say, where can I get a bottle of this stuff? And so. The lot of problems with marketing today is, and especially with copywriting in particular, is people are so busy trying to sound clever, you know, and all that other stuff. They're not talking in any way that you would talk to a friend sitting around at a restaurant, mm -hmm. right? And so there's a, there's a guy <laughs> who it's a it's a long story, but I found out recently that I had been living in this guy's head rent free for like months, and I didn't. <laughs> And I, di I didn't even know this at all. And so like, he, you know, he's always thought that there was this thing between us and there really wasn't. There was a thing with him thinking about me or whatever the hell it was. But I, it was two people that mentioned this person and they were like, you know, oh, he's, you know, but I think I find his copy really kind of entertaining and funny and stuff like that. And both of them said the exact same thing. They said, but I've never read the whole thing. I'm like, well, then it can't be very good if you're not reading the whole thing, you know, right? right. <laughs> if you can't get, you know. So there are these people who, you know, they write for 30 pages, you know, and the truth is most of the buyers have actually been sold on one or two points that they saw in the copy. They scroll down to the bottom. They heard that person's name and reputation. They were sold and built. The trust was already built there and they bought. Well, you know, many hours of that copywriting, you know, copywriters work were completely, you know, not needed. Wasted. Yeah. Because they weren't, you know, paying attention to that. But I mean, it's really bad when they don't scroll to the bottom and buy just because they're like, oh, that was really entertaining. That's not like, that's not like saying it's really persuasive. You don't want, my dad taught me this, you know, you don't want people to pay attention to your words and what you say. 
you want people, you want the only response that matters is where, you know, oh, you know, I, I bought this immediately. I read this and then I bought this immediately. They don't talk about the copywriter. They don't talk about the marketing. They say, I got this. And so when we were talking about jujitsu, okay, there is, or, or no, CrossFit, there's the, the champion that you're talking about that won every champion. That's authority building. That is so much trust to say that I, I won every single of the competition of this entire, of the entire industry five, five years in a row. And you don't need 30 pages and you don't need him to say, you know, you don't need him to sound really clever and create his own, yeah. word, his own words. And what I find is funny is a lot of people, and this isn't a knock on anybody. There were people who were never emailing their list enough. The list was, and I'm often guilty of that. Their yeah. list is cold and they're, you know, they're, they're not doing anything. And then Ben Suttle came out and said, you know, email your list at least once a day. And that was great information for anybody who's not emailing their list enough because it's better to mail it once a day than to never mail it, right? You'd rather have sales than just let them sit there and die. But then it gets to a point where do you really want it? But here was the problem. Did you have something unique or interesting? Yeah, yeah. That became the problem. And do you want to hear from your plumber every day? No. I mean, the truth is I'd like to hear that, hey, he's having a remnant. We're going back to remnant, a remnant sale saying, listen, during the downtime, most people, uh, during winter, I'm busy because everybody's pipes burst. I, I work in the Northeast and everybody's pipes burst from the freezing cold and everything. And during the middle of summer, most people aren't thinking about that. I have downtime, but this is, if you hire me, I'll give you a break and half of that time, I'll give you half off my hourly rate to put in new tankless water heaters. Okay. And because of what's going on in Ukraine and other places, the price of natural gas has gone up quite significantly. So you could save a lot of money by, you know, not feeding, not, not keeping your old type of water, water tank boiling all the time. So it's always got hot water on tap. You just use this other new kind. Plus these are usually installed outside, which means that there's no tank to burst. You won't come home to a flood. And by the way, here's a picture of what the other tanks look like with rust on the bottom. And that's just a ticking time bomb, you know? Oh. And so here you can get your, that remnant space. I'm offering you a deal and it increases the value of your home. It's another, it's another asset, but you know, you never, you're never going to run out of hot water and you're never going to pay to heat water that you're not using. And then here's the energy rebates from the local energy company and stuff that you get for doing this and everything. And it's going to cost you less money. And I'm only making this offer for the next six weeks because then the next season's coming in and I'm going to be busy again. You know, that's the kind of offer you want. That's something fascinating to say. It's offering an, a benefit that you can explain. It's tied to news sources. Yep, yep. It's doing all of the things that you, that as a homeowner, you want to hear. But do I want to hear them saying, hey, you know, my daughter's going to prom, so I need more money. And then, hey, by the way, I just got a new car. And, you know, hey, uh, I uh, her up and I need to make some more money. And just like you know, 365 excuses to try to sell you something, you better have three, you know, if you're going to mail 365 days a year, you should have 365 great things to say. Yeah. And uh, going back to what's your user experience, let's suppose that you sign up for my email blog and I email you once a day and every single day I'm giving you a great marketing tip. What's going to happen in, you know, about a few weeks in, you're going to say, that's a great tip. That's a great tip. And you're going to say, oh, he gives these great tips, but I'm busy today. So what you're going to end up doing is building the habit of leaving it in there unopened. How many unopened emails do you have in your email box? And it's like, I might want to come back to that one day, Yeah, you know, and there are some situations. Situations where it's, where it's good. Some situations where it's like, you know, we're REI and the campers and the backpackers are so into backpacking that I emailed them a, a special deal on my list, a special deal every single day. They're going to be people who are opening that, right? And they're going to be people like, yeah, I'm, you know, backpack deal, camp stove deal, down jacket deal and stuff like that. So there is the only absolute in marketing is there's no absolutes. Right, 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 right. What I really got from what you said is just a really being in tune with the market. Like, again, because you've been in this so long, but it talked about first that, you know, one of the top things is you need to advertise your business because if you've got something yep. good, it has to get out there in order to get traction. And it's really tough to do that from 
it's like a rocket ship. Like you just, you need, sometimes you just need some, so, some help, like an oomph to get you out there. And so paying and getting this reduced remnant space, hopping on kind of trendy things where the cost is low because there's not a lot of competition can be an advantage as long as you know your market is there and how to reach them. But eventually it gets to a place where it's saturated. Everyone's shouting. So you really need to be able to have a lot to offer your client so that way you can afford to still be paying to be present and make a lot on the back end. The lifetime customer value doesn't even have to always be your stuff. And sometimes you can take advantage of other people not understanding that by buying their buyer list. So you also, another great tip that I want to recap on is that you said, no matter what you model, the easiest way to improve lifetime customer value was always selling them more. It was always making another offer to these people, whether you got cheaper ad spend, all that stuff, it was always having something else to like, you know, to give them. And that. so the money really comes from having the audience, the group of people that you can sell something to over and over and over. But then we positioned and talked about trust and not just with Google, but that it's not necessarily a linear path right now. And you also spoke about what I love is that you were associating yourself with other products and even selling them, despite the fact that you didn't get any sales from it, just so Amazon would associate you with them. So you didn't even have to get their permission. You didn't have to go and say, hey, guru, I want you to give me a thumbs up and love. You didn't, you just started promoting their stuff, really giving value, knowing what the market was probably already doing and just making it easier for them to buy from both of you. It was like an abundance mentality, not a scarcity, like I want to have the land market. It was understanding that people are going to buy this and then they're going to buy that and buy the next thing. And I want to be associated with these people. So I need to make something incredible, but then I need to actively make sure people see us together and that you don't need anyone's permission for. And that, you know, and then behind all this inherently was making high quality stuff. And you also talked about the top copywriters. And I think just even business owners, they're not, they're not in an ivory tower. They're connecting with the buyers. They're handling the customer support lines. They're talking to customers. They're getting the language and, and like in the grassroots knowledge of the problems people, they're on the front line, right? So even though there's all these templates people can use and that can help if you're doing that, but what you really need to do is you need to, to talk about your subject matter with prospects and non-prospects. And it's almost like I say, we, we don't earn, learn by doing, we learn through iteration. So by having these conversations, even with people outside your market, you learn how to simplify your message and also what gets people, like what isn't going to happen is you're not going to sit down and write this masterpiece of some divine inspiration and it's going to work. We actually need to measure, try to figure out what are we measuring to? And it's not how great it is, not how often people are sharing it. It's what's leading to sales. I really love that. And so paying attention to people, what people respond to and reiterating this message, tracking it to sales and just chasing excellence. Like you brought up Matt Frazier, how after five years of winning everything in that industry, that he is just as unquestionable proof and that that's just a really important part of this. And again, it comes down to focusing on excellence, not just even on excellence, but even when he went to the plumber example, the whole time you're talking about that, I'm thinking like he's really in tune with his market and not just his market yesterday but like what's happening now and where things are going and so that really spoke to like really knowing your craft and staying on top of your industry and market needs and just being engaged in conversations i think a lot of people want to have this passive income thing where you know and get some rental properties if that's what you want but if you're trying to be in marketing and sales you really have to keep your pulse on what's happening because it's you know gary bensavenga said this problems are markets not demographics so if there's a problem and a bunch of people create a product to solve that problem it gets solved and now there's a new problem and part of the process of evolution. And so that's kind of what I got was that you have to stay on top of that and that you might be able to ride the coattails of what you've been building and testing yesterday for a while. But at some point, you got to know where the puck is going. You got to know where things are heading. And the only way you're going to get that info is really being there with the people and speaking to them and, and reading the comments, reading the reviews and getting that like you know, this whole message has just been so dense into like market research and then some marketing strategy stuff. And it's like the two for you, it's, I don't want to say like a savant, but it's almost like someone that can pass it. Like, it's just the two don't, there's not a, when you speak, there's not a line, like this is research and this is the marketing. It's like one thing for you. That's what I've gotten is that the two together, the market research and the marketing are, it's like a symbiotic, almost like the infinity symbol. Like they're just two halves of that whole. And that's just what I got for you. Like, what are the people doing? And I'm walking this thing and I'm thinking about what do they want when they're looking for free things to do in LA? And like, 
Like it's just, it's just like the one passes to the other back and forth. Well, have you explained to your audience about market levels of awareness? Maxwell Sack, 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 Malcolm. I got his book. It's a breakthrough advertising. He talks about the five levels of market sophistication. Okay. Well, here's what I'm going to add to that. Okay. So the, the, I'm not going to go into a deep. So the real synopsis or the, the short thing is people have a problem and market levels awareness goes through like five stages. And the first stage is you don't know how they have a problem. Right. And then that's, those are people who like have heart disease, but they have no idea they have heart disease. Stage two is they know they have heart disease, but they don't know what the solutions are. And then stage three is they've heard of different solutions. They don't know which ones are right for them. Stage four is they have solutions. They have an idea of which one's right for them, but they're not a hundred percent, you know, they need to be a little bit oomph into which is the one that they, you know, to which, which of those types of solutions is best. And then stage five is they've already chosen one. They are brand loyal. So in your case, you are brand loyal to, I'm sorry, I forget his name, but the Krauss Yeah. Okay. So you're, you're already brand five. And so for him, all you need to hear is that he's having a special deal on programming, right? That you're in. Okay. Each level of your marketing, the, oh, your marketing in each case. Now, usually market level awareness one is, is like the last one that you want to market to because it's tough to convince people they have a problem that they're not paying right. attention. Right. Okay. But there is, there are cases where it's successful. Like I said, there's no absolutes, but there you would call them out by symptom and you say, you know, look, are you over 50 and you gave three inches of belly fat? There's a good chance that's based on heart disease. And here's the dangers of that. Right. So that call that gets their attention. And then. Market level awareness too is, you know, hey, did you get recently diagnosed with heart disease or high cholesterol and everything? Well, you know, and you get a lot of conflicting information. Well, here's what I found or whatever. But your marketing in each of these cases should be targeting to two market levels of awareness that are next to each other. Yeah. Okay. And you can sell to all these levels of market levels of awareness. So your jujitsu guy can actually sell to people who just heard about jujitsu, right? You know, or to yeah. sell the basics. You can still do these in different campaigns, but you should be targeting two people or two of these market levels awareness at the same time, but your marketing should educate them and bring them into the next level of awareness. That's what your marketing, that's what your goal is. Your goal is to grab their attention based on where they're at and to bring them to the next one. So let's take a look at the high end and you say, well, you know, look, I know that you've heard about all these different kinds of, you know, CrossFit programs and stuff like that. And you're wondering which is, you know, and you've heard that these are the top four. Let me tell you why he is the one that you want, right? You know, and turn them into brand loyal customers of that. If you're just selling to the brand loyal customers, you're basically just got to reinforce their their brand loyalty by talking about their position in the industry. They were the first to do this. They were the, you know, mm. they were the, you know, with the Halberts, they was the first ones to actually give real world copywriting advice online for free, right? So you have Halbert brand loyal people. But you start with, you know, four and say, you know, this is why everybody, you've heard about Halbert, but this is why you pay so much attention to this marketing family in the direct response world and you educate them into level five. So no matter where they are, two, three, four, five, you want to start them off, start off addressing that, that audience and bring them into the next level where the solution is obviously your offer. Right. So... That in itself, in a nutshell, because you'll find the early bird, the early entrepreneurs, the people just starting off, you'll say, well, who's this furniture for? Oh, it's for everybody. It's for college students <laughs> and people with mansions still love it, you know, and everything. It's bullshit. The person with the mansion wants a, wants a talking piece. They don't give a, they don't care how much money it was. They want something that all their friends are going to be envious of. And it's like, they can brag that they spent, you know, oh, that's a $20,000 coffee table, right? The first person, the lower levels and everything, that's not who they are. And so one, one of the things that happens with, they're talking to all five different levels of market level awareness because they're afraid of losing somebody in market level awareness one or five or three or two or whatever these numbers are. And it's, you're just losing a whole chunk of where your target should be. Okay. And you can still sell to them. So what you do is look, these, you people just need a cell phone that's working. So here's this Apple phone. And by the way, we run a different ad, right, in the Rob report to get your gold-colored Apple phone, which is $600 more. So everybody knows, you know, subliminally, everybody knows that you're wealthier and richer than them and you're more successful. I mean, you don't say that, but you're actually expressing that. You're get, making the message clear that this phone that's, you know, dip, you know, that's gold-colored, 
means that you're going to get more attention and people are going to know you're the bomb because you got this one, even though, but you don't sell the gold one to the ones who just need a phone and they're looking for the best value and who's got the cheapest rates. Right. You could sell the same phone to all these different level market levels of awareness. Even market levels awareness one, they don't know they need a phone. And you say, right. you know what? I, I threw away my, I didn't have a cell phone. And then I found out my son was in the hospital and I realized, you know, that's really important so that they can reach oh. me at any time. So boom. And by the way, that came from a real life scenario. Yeah. I got, I used to have a $700 a month cell phone bill. I took, oh, I, I took my phone out to the desert. I shot it. Right. <laughs> Cause I was just tired of being you know, buzzed all the time. And then later on, my wife one time said, where have you been? I said, well, I was out doing something. And she goes, well, you know, my son was actually in the hospital. And I was like, oh, I need to have a cell phone. Right. So anyway, so real world advice, real world scenario turned into this is a marketing campaign for people who don't have cell phones into why you need one. But anyway, I'm going to end this and just say what you, you what you want to do is have each of those campaigns directly talk about the problems and the knowledge and meet them where they are at and educate them to the next level. I love so, that. And then, and say, and you know, you can cut it off. You can say, look, you know, so you need a cell phone. You know what? And the best cell phone to get right at the beginning is this phone because it's not too expensive and it's a great deal and it gets service everywhere that you're at. Yeah. Then, you know, the next time you, you run the next ad, you run it to a different group of people who are already cell phone junkies. Do you say, why do you want this cell phone? You know, it's, yeah. it's running on 5G and so forth and so on. And then you're talking about the Apple fan base people. You just need to say, hey, you can get this Apple, this Apple thing. Tired, tired of standing in line? Pre-order right now. It's probably coming out in two weeks to a month. But we guarantee you that we're, we're all, we always get 100 of these phones. You can get your spot and not stay in the line when you get that. So anyway, so my, that was the final thing I wanted to say is break Understand the market levels of awareness in your market. Pick the two next to each other that you want to market to first market to them and educate them to the next level. I think that's fantastic. So everyone listening, probably want to listen to this interview a couple of times. I've got a bunch of notes. I know you probably do too. Vaughn, it's always an honor and pleasure to have you. I know we went a little bit over. I, I want to be respectful. Oh, sorry. Time. No, we're good. I just want to respect your time. So this was fantastic. Again, there's so much in here. People should listen to it a couple of times. Is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? I don't know. There, you know, I mean, I could go on for days. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Let's just bring you back on another time. Bon, thank you so much. For people that want to check out your stuff, where should they go and look? You should go to bondhalbert.com and you should go to thegaryhalbertletter.com. And you can also look, at, look me up on Facebook and follow me there. And I will leave updates to what I'm doing there. There's not another Bond Halbert out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I have a group called the Gary Halbert Copy Club, and I'm starting a new group. I haven't mentioned that to anybody before. This is this is actually the first announcement. So you know, you know, because I'm old, so I'm on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> That's B O N D H A L B E R T. For people that are hearing this that maybe don't see the text, go look him up. Him or his dad, Gary. Stuff's fantastic. Again, he's not. It's just his generational knowledge in this of generations of getting results. Bond again. Thank you so much for coming. Always an honor, pleasure, and I hope to talk to you again soon. Glad to be here. Glad to do it. Thank you.